I'm so excited. Welcome to the second episode of The Full Life. I love our opening music and it gets me so excited to do this next talk. I'm so excited to be back with our panel, but I realized last time we, I didn't introduce myself. So let me start there. My name is Joseph Mancuso. I'm a TV producer and father of four out of California. A faithful believer of the Catholic Christian tradition, but I have been exposed to a lot of different uh, views in different Christian circles, which has led to the idea for this show, where we can come to the metaphorical table and talk about the issues that face Christians today as one body of Christ united in our belief in Jesus. All right, well, let's get to our panel again. And we didn't say it last time, but there are all over the United States, which is the beauty of this webcam. So let me let me introduce them again. Out of Florida, it's Carolyn Pankella. Hello, it's so Hello. good to see you again, Joseph, and everybody. And out of Pennsylvania, it is Hank Johnson. Hey, everyone. So happy to be back. <laughs> and also out of California, but by way of many places she's been over the years. It's Jenny Savali. Hello, so glad to be back. I had so much fun last week and I am looking forward to today. Mm -hmm. Well, today I wanna to start off our discussion today with a, a hopefully what will become an ongoing segment for us. I'm calling it Manna Moments. Uh, it's the bread coming down from heaven, Exodus 16:4, when he comes when he when God rains down the bread to feed the Israelites in the desert. And I view this as, you know, these moments where God drops those bits of grace in our life. And I think we need to remember and hold on to those bits of grace and shout it from the rooftops that God is still working. Uh, even in a pandemic, he is still working. Um, so mine was, I don't think anyone knew this until after the fact, but, uh, the baby are, I have a, I have four kids and we have a one month old. So I have a lot of eye cream right here, <laughs> <laughs> but for two weeks, she didn't really gain weight. And we were about to shoot last Friday, um, when we shot the first episode and that morning she was going for a weight check. She had to get to two more ounces and she hadn't gained in two weeks. So we were feeding her formula and my wife was feeding her and we were going full steam. And not only did she gain two, she gained six after oh not God. gaining for two weeks. <laughs> so I would consider that an Italian a baby. moment. <laughs> an Italian baby. I like that. <laughs> How about you guys? Any any moments to share, Carolyn? Well, you know, it's funny that you bring this up because in January, um, my family and I decided that we were going to start, and this was before the pandemic, that we were going to start a blessing book. And I wanted to bring it to show it today because it's simply just a journal. And we just started making it that every day, everybody had to write something that happened that was a miracle because what I found is you know in Philippians it says think on these things my brother and whatever is true whatever mm. is noble whatever is right whatever is pure and um, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy and I I just found that we live in a day and age that it's so easy to focus on the negative things that's going wrong but what happens when we begin to focus on that positive and we begin to praise God going, man, another miracle happened. And it might be something small. Um, but man, when we write it down, 
you start really recognizing how many blessings and I call them, but God moments is what I call them. It's all those things like, oh, I couldn't do something today, but God, or, you know, the doctor said there was no hope, but God. And those are the moments that we should be looking for. Like you're just saying, the doctor said, oh no, she's not gaining weight, but God had other plans and there's just hope. And when we begin to recognize it, we can worship him in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it was interesting you brought that up because I, I meant to share this last week for the first time, you know, it's about focusing your mind um, on the, on those right things, because for the first time, as I was preparing to do this show, I've never been really convicted, you know, I've watched, you know, I'm trying to watch keep up with what's in the industry. And I was watching this new show on Netflix. And I was watching it going, I started watching it going, and I felt this conviction. I said, is this what you want to feed your mind with before wow. you go on and do this show? And it was just yeah. this huge conviction moment where I was like, no, I guess I have to obey this. I feel very yeah. convicted by this moment. Uh, uh, how about you, Jenny? I love that, Joe. That's where the Holy Spirit really becomes the law written on our hearts. We yeah. don't, if we really have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, we, we don't need necessarily a list of what not to do, what to do. Jeremiah says, you know, there's going to come a day that the laws on our heart will feel this. This isn't right. This isn't right for me. So I know that's kind of off topic, but I just love that. I think more people need to learn to listen to that gut instinct. Um, I had a literal manna moment this week. It's interesting that you brought this up, that you you wanted to start this segment because I literally had one of the craziest mind-blowing manna moments where bread came from heaven via our mailbox to us. <laughs> Um, we got a new car in uh, the fall. We traded in a lease that we had, but we traded in early. We weren't actually intending to get a new car. Uh, well, we were, but anyway, we weren't intending on trading this car in. And, you know, we were kind of suckers on the lot for the cherry red or mango tango, I believe it's mm -hmm. called, uh, car that my husband was drooling over. And so um, they talked us into getting out of our lease early. They had all these crazy incentives, you know, as the end of the year is like October, November, end of the month, we can give you like $10,000, you know, off this car. So we end up doing it. And about a month later, we got a call from the old car uh, lease that we still owed on our lease. And we were like, what? No, we turned our car in. We sorted that out. Long story short, won't get into the details, but a week ago, I got a letter from our old, uh, who we were leasing through that we owed them $6,000 for monies unpaid for the car. Uh, when they sold it at auction, we owed this extra amount or something. I mean, it was just so weird. We were like, I, I don't, I don't even know what to do with this. So I tried to reach the dealership. They weren't, they, I, I didn't even say why I was reaching them. I just reached out, uh, said, Hey, I just need to talk to you. No response. I called the uh, car, uh, the lease people. And, uh, they were like, well, we can't help you because the car that you bought from, they did not pay off your rent. You owe this, you owe us $6,000. So I just said, God, I don't have this in me. Now I know how to fight. I mean, you know, I'm pretty good with my words. I've been told many times you should be a lawyer. I know how to do it. I don't want to do it. Right. I don't want to have to go into this. I said, God, I don't want to have to use my energies towards this. Help me in this situation because I just don't want to have to do the fight. I already knew through what I was dealing with in the past that this was a sneaky dealership that they had lied about some other things um, and they were sneaky. And so I knew it was I was up for a battle. Well, wouldn't you know it the, the next day after I prayed that Brian goes to our mailbox. He comes inside. He goes, did you ever talk to the car dealer? They just sent us a check for $6,000. Ah, that was real bread. In that <laughs> well, I mean, it was a literal bread that fell from <laughs> heaven 
I called oh, my stepfather, you know, Bob Harrison, who who has been, was a car dealer for years. I said, have you ever heard of this? He said, never in all of my years have I heard of a dealer with no contact, no even asking them just to send somebody a chunk of money like that. I've never heard of that. So they literally just, I never even had to fight. And I love that my first cry was, you know, just like, the, you know, in the wilderness, when the people were crying out, God, we need bread. And God, Moses said, what am I, mm. how do I do these people? You know, the first inclination was, God, I don't want to have to fight this battle. I didn't go into the fight first. I asked him. And so he literally delivered the manna. So <laughs> I just thought that was great. I love that. It was fun. Hank. Yeah, I did not get six thousand dollars in the mail, um, <laughs> but but I did get this cool T-shirt. Um, <laughs> uh, one of the things I'm learning from preaching is that people take what you say very seriously, and things you don't remember that you say sometimes. You know, so I had um, about a month or two ago, I had like an offhand comment, you know, talking about how the early church mothers and fathers, you know intentionally planned Pentecost and or Eastertide, which is the season after, you know, Lent to be longer than the season of Lent. And it was this time of celebration. Um, mm -hmm. And I talked about how we shouldn't just celebrate Easter because Jesus is risen all year long. Um, and what the early church mothers and fathers wanted to do was to have these feasts, you know, every week. And one of the things they celebrate was something called Ascension Day, which is when they traditionally believe Jesus went up. And I was like, man, wouldn't it be cool this year if we all just like remembered Ascension Day and just thank Jesus for, you know, going to heaven to prepare it for us. And um, yeah, I'm preaching on kindness this week. And I was just like, man, I need some good examples. Well, um, a, a older couple from our church made me this T-shirt that says Ascension Day 2020. Um, so I just thought that was really, really cool because it was just an off comment. It wasn't like a big initiative, but they just heard it like, huh, we'll make him a T-shirt from that, you know? So I, that really, really blessed me. And then the other one, the second one was um, just something small. We have a, a neighbor who's a couple of houses down and our houses are all attached, but far like separated. So you have separate backyards. So in this quarantine, it's kind of like you wave to your neighbor and you see them, even though they're kind of next door. And there's a little, um, a, a young girl who I think is late elementary school, maybe middle school age. And she found in her house, a children's garden, kind of like a seed starter pack and, did a typical preteen teenager thing is like, oh, I'm too old for this, you know? But then her next thought was, man, this would be really, really cool for Hank's kids. So her mom actually came over last night and was just like, hey, would your girls be interested if we started these so that they can grow it? And I was just like, this is amazing. You know, I appreciated just that little bit of kindness and just this reminder that, you know, God is with us. God is working through not only us, but through the people around us if we're just willing to see it. I think it's important to celebrate these moments so we know that we keep our minds focused on the right things, as we said. So if any of you have any hashtag mana moments to, to share with us, tell us on our Facebook page, our Twitter page, Instagram. We got it all. But we'd love to hear from you, and maybe we'll share your moment on the show. We'd love to hear it. Part of the country is opening up again, and I think it presents some uh, sort of challenges uh, with how to make the decisions. We're not going to talk about policy today, but we're really going to talk about it from a faith and moral standpoint. Is there's two schools of thought that I've heard, you know, whether it's having faith that everything's going, believing that it's going to be okay, and opening up churches and and wanting to be there and share in that community. And is the or is there a level of prudence that we need to have as we open this up? And I, you know, I can see both sides of that. And of course, I want to see what the panel has to say today. So, Jenny, what do you have to say? What are your thoughts? You've got to 
use wisdom. We've talked a lot about, um, as Brian and I used to travel overseas and, and, and do missionary work, my husband and I, um, you know, we know people that would go into the Middle East and into scary territories and be completely protected. No problems whatsoever. I mean, they could just walk in. Brian and I had situations like that. We walked in places we should not have been, but it was a directive of the Holy Spirit. We know other people that would go places same places and they would be arrested. They would be murdered. They were, you know, all these things, you know, would happen to them. And we have to take a step back and say, you know, we believe that God directs our steps. He orders our steps and we're protected when we go where God tells us to go, but he doesn't necessarily ensure us that protection. If we make the steps first and ask him to protect us, Oh God, I'm going to do this. I want you to protect me. That's not how it works. It's that we follow the cloud where the cloud goes. And when we follow the cloud, you know, when we trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding and acknowledge him, he will direct our steps. And I think in this situation, instead of judging one another, which is what we're seeing a lot in California, some churches, you know, you don't have faith because you're not opening May 31st and others that are saying you don't have wisdom because you're not opening. I mean, because you are opening May 31st. I think we need to take a step back and recognize that there is not a um, one size fits all answer for this situation. It's got to be by the leading of the Holy Spirit. There has got to be wisdom. And we also have to recognize that Assembling together, again, can be 10 people. We can actually worship in our homes. I love a scripture that the Holy Spirit put on my heart a couple weeks ago because I'm a worshiper. I love to worship. I was a worship leader for years before I became uh, the senior pastor of a church. Um, but I love Psalms 149.5. God revealed, you know, put on my heart and it's sing joyfully to the Lord from your beds. And I think as pastors, we have to make a commitment to wisdom. We have to make a commitment to following the leading of the Holy Spirit, because what might be right for one church, for your church, might not be right for my church. Carolyn, I, I know you sort of have a different perspective only because you guys have, have firsthand experienced how businesses are suffering. And I know you, you had a, a really good insight into that. Tell me about that. And I think that's some of the misconception that sometimes the media puts, puts yeah. out there a little bit is that people who are saying, oh, let's get back out there, is that they're saying that they don't care. Right. Um, I mm -hmm. think it's on both sides. I think it's the people who are saying don't get out there because they feel afraid that they don't care about the people who are suffering financially. I think that we need to eliminate that mm -hmm. off of the, the chopping blocks that we all care about one another. I mean, I'm not, I just think as human beings, it's in our nature. And I think for me, I think I read something the other day that a woman was going out to the grocery store and she had to take her five-year-old child with her and she had no one at home to watch her. And when she got to the grocery store was getting the most dirtiest looks from everybody. And she finally was like, no one's asking me why. Mm -hmm. And she says, I have no one to keep my child. And so right. I think it's coming back to, we just got in this day and age, I think we're so quick to judge everybody. And I really think as Christians, we need to be mm -hmm. leading that charge of saying, can we stop judging everyone right. and, and stop taking it as you don't care. You don't care. I, you find people just fighting and that's just what the enemy wants us to do mm -hmm. is to get our eyes on the fight instead of on each other. Right. And yes, it, I mean, this country and the world, it's not just this country. It is the world. I mean, people are suffering right now. You can't go two and three months without having income right. and be okay. It, 
it starts a trickling down effect that it affects everybody. And, you know, when, when you have people, I, I have people, I was telling you this the other day that are affluent people, but I think it's, and I'm not going to quote this now because I know we're on, but it's a large amount of numbers of people who don't have an extra $500 a month. Yeah. I mean, people are living life paycheck to paycheck. And so I think we all need to be sensitive to that. And, right. you know, I, I heard something the other day that, you know, all the big box places like the Walmarts, the Costco's, they've all made record sales in which I'm excited for them. You know, I want to see people blessed. But now that we're opening back up, we need to, as human beings, being, I always say that there's a reason that we're saying human beings is because we're being human yeah. is we need to get back out now and support the locals and the little, the little mom and pops. Cause what we're seeing is that's what makes America. It's what makes the world. And if they are removed, man, it messes up this whole ecosystem. And so I think, yes, I think we do need to get back out. I think that, you know, it's time. I think that we, it's time to get back out. I think we need to do it smartly. Mm -hmm. I think we need to be wise. I think, well, you know, it. you know, I think everything yeah. needs to be wise. The Bible says to be wise, you know, as a serpent, gentle as a dove. And I think the gentleness is how we need to be with one another. And um, I don't know. I just mm -hmm. think that's when we're representing Christ. So that's, that's 100%. I think, you know, your the point is excellent is that it, it it doesn't have to be either or. And I think a lot of us, they want to put everyone in one, you're in this camp or that camp. Hank, what, do you, what is your perspective? Yeah, I, I agree with both of what they're saying. I think one of the things that as a society, we tend to be in pendulums, you know, we're either all the way here or all the way there. Um, and as people, we also tend to break stuff down so it makes it black and white and easy for us to understand. But I think with Christianity, it's often both and. Yes. You know, it's not either or, it's both and. And then it's also more navigating the gray, you know. So we talked a lot about balance. I think um, the, 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 the thing that was just referenced actually by Carolyn, I think it might be a Forbes study that came out a couple of years ago that said 63% of Americans um, don't have an extra 500 or 1,000 of emergency payment, it's you know. Um, and again, that's a couple of years old, it's sample size, but even if you say they're off 13%, that still means one out of two Americans don't have that extra. Um, we're seeing rising unemployment. We're seeing um, a lot of people who are impacted. So yeah, so I think that one of the things that we have to do as the church though, is perhaps separate you know, what happens publicly with, with, with what happens in church. So that's the only new nuance I wanna add here. So for example, for small businesses, I think we need to allow them to open up safely allow them because they are very much the vital um, lifeblood of most of our communities. I think for churches though, we have to be careful. Um, we tend to have older populations. Um, we tend to have people who, um, not just because of faith, but because you know they might have health problems and stuff like that. Um, and, and we still don't know a lot about this disease. There's some people who think singing, for example, could make you more, you know, susceptible. You know, there's been a couple of places, like there's a choir in Washington that had a practice and 87% of the people got the virus after, mm. you know? So I, I do think part of the nuance we have to add as church is our people need to get back to work, but we as church may not be able to quote unquote, get back to business as usual 
only because we have susceptible populations. You know, we have people who might be older, we have people with health issues, and most churches I go to like the same, you know, or has some kind of preaching and loud talking, right? So I think that like, that's one nuance I wanna add to this debate or not even, or a conversation, right? Like I think what happens in the public sphere doesn't necessarily mirror what happens in the church. And I loved what um, Jenny shared about, we're called to follow the spirit, we're called to follow Jesus, but we're also called to individual communities, you know? So I have to figure out yeah. with the spirit, you know, with the team around me, what's best for our church and community. And and that might not be what's best for Jenny and what's best for Jenny might not be what's best for Carolyn. So it's all balance. And I think that's what we have to go into it with nuance and just navigate the gray because that's what life is, I think. Navigating that gray, holding on to Jesus and each other. Well, what I, what I really got out of everyone's was, was uh, it's a, it, it's a life issue. I think it's a life issue for uh, it, because we're we're weighing health and of the virus and weighing the health of people five ten years when they're struggling to pay, struggling to pay for food, struggling to take care of their families. And I think the church it should be the big tent that covers you know with, with the prudence of the Holy Spirit because we have that prudence we can be that big tent in the gray saying we we, we should be that church of action helping them uh, so I I think I think we all kind of agree on this that we're we can go ahead but a little bit prudently in all of these things depending on where you are geographically mm-hmm. In the news as well, and I want to hopefully another segment we're going to do on this show is a trending topic, and uh, you know it's it's unfortunately been a trending topic for many times over, but certainly again in the news um, was the shooting of Ahmad Arbery out of Georgia, um, and unfortunately, like I said, this has happened many times, and I'm always when I hear the, any story out of the news. I always take a minute to say, I'm not going to post anything. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. I got to just read and learn Mm -hmm. the facts. But this one um, struck a chord with everyone, uh, particularly. um, And we want to discuss it here and get people's perspective on it. Because as Christians, we, how, the question is, how, what is that Christian response? As Christians, where are we finding God's justice? How are we promoting God's justice? How are we responding in compassion? I'm sure all of you have terrific things to say about this. Um, Carolyn. Well, wow. Okay. You know, I think as Christians, we should always be appalled at any injustice because yes. God God was always um, for the, I mean, he's just always for the people. I mean, if you look all through the Bible, any time that you see the Lord, it was always when there was injustice done. He always stood up for them. And, um, you know, I think that we should be appalled. You know, I come back to I think that racism is wrong, however it is. You know, whenever we look at anybody and judge them by the color of their skin, we're wrong. Because Jesus in Acts made it very clear. He said in 1726, and he made one man for every nation of mankind from one man. That's You've great. got Genesis 126. Let us make mankind in our image. I mean, it's so important. I think that that just gets settled is that we come from one man. And so we are each other's brothers and sisters. We might have some different pigment going on, but we share the same blood and that's Mm -hmm. the blood of Jesus. And so 
I think that we need to be appalled. I think we need to stand up for what is right. I think we always need to seek for the truth in, in everything. But I think if I can say something, I think that we need to be appalled on it on all levels. I don't think we should pick it out just for this one. I think we need to stand in the gap for all of them and go, come on, guys, this is wrong. It's just we are to love one another. We are to show grace to one another. We're to be there to pick each other up. And I think that anytime we don't do that, we just we're hurting the heart of God. I mean, let's just be honest. It's more than just hitting, hurting the the um, image of who Christ is. We're hurting the heart of God himself. Well, it's interesting what you said about hurting the heart of God, because I was, you know, thinking about the scripture this morning in Matthew 22, where Jesus is asked what the greatest commands are. And I know so many of us as believers, you know, know these answers. Of course, the first is to love the Lord, your God, he says, with all your heart, you know, your your soul, your mind, your strength. But then he says something interesting. And we all know he moves on to loving your neighbor as yourself. But before he gets to that, and this so ties in, Carolyn, with what you said, before he gets to that, he said, but the second is like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. Before he says to love your neighbor as yourself, he compares loving your neighbor as yourself to loving God. Now, this was a really big deal to say to Jewish people who have such an incredible reverence for just even the name of God, that it is rarely even written or said, uh, very rarely, I should say, very rarely written or said, they will write G-D, so they don't write his name or call him Hashem, because there's such incredible reverence. Now, Jesus is saying, to love your neighbor is to love God. Why? Well, it's because of what Carolyn said, that we are all made in the image and the likeness of God. You know, we know the story in Genesis where we are made in his image. But before we are made, think about it. in Genesis 1, God makes the, uh, the trees and he puts seed inside of the fruit. And he says, make more fruit according to your kind. That means an apple made more apples. And then he makes the animals and he says to the goats, you know, make more goats according to your kind, according to the seed. It always says according to the seed that was placed in them. And then God makes mankind according to his image and then tells us to be fruitful and multiply our seed. What seed is he telling us to multiply? Of course, we know it is the seed of God. That is the seed that we are supposed to be multiplying. So every single one of us carries the seed of God. That's why Jesus said to love your neighbor is like loving God because God is in your neighbor. Whether or not they look like you, whether or not they talk like you, whether or not they, they act like you, God's seed is in them. That's why it was so important for Jesus to come and restore God's children back into, you know, into fellowship with him. We're his kids. In Deuteronomy, there's a scripture, I believe it's Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse three, God's talking to them about if uh, uh, your neighbor or your brother has a donkey that's fallen into a ditch, you have to go help that donkey out. If his clothes go missing, you have to go help him find his clothes. And I love this. It's, it's like I said, Deuteronomy 22, three, the words are, you must not hide yourself from helping. So that tells me that not only do we have to love our brother with our actions, but we also have to love our brother with caring when something happens, when these kind of situations come up and how often we do hear about these situations, we can't hide away and go, well, it's not my problem. That's not my problem. Well, that's, 
you know, that's a black problem. That's a, that's a, you know, a, a, a different cultural problem, or that's a, you know, a different religious problem. That's a Muslim problem. It's guys, if we are brothers and we are sisters and there is injustice to somebody and they are a part of us, it is our problem. The word tells us we must not hide ourselves. And I want to give you this last thing. The word righteousness just came to my mind. The word righteousness in the Bible, in Hebrew, it's Sadiq, and it means justice. Hank. Yeah, I think two concepts that we kind of touched on already um, are pretty known to Christians. I think most Christians wouldn't argue me if I say, hey, the Old Testament people are God's people. Um, but I think one of the things we forget, though, is that, yeah, one, we talked about how we're all created in the image of God. Everyone is created in the image of God. Yes. But one of the things we forget, though, is in Exodus 12, you know, when God redeems Israel, it's not just Jewish people by, you know, hereditary or heritage that are rescued. You know, in Exodus 12, if you go down, I think around verse 50, it actually says, um, depending on your translation, and all those people who believe. So from the very beginning, the nation of Israel was about faith and not necessarily just your blood. You know, so you have this multicultural kingdom from the very beginning. In fact, when Israel builds the temple, God says, what? My house should be a house of prayer for all the nations. Israel, yeah. you should be a light for all the nations. Hmm. The goal for God was always for every nation, every tribe, every tongue. You see it in Jeremiah's prophecy. You see it in Isaiah's prophecy. So from the very beginning, one of the things we have to hold on to is that God's people are not people who just look like me. God's people is everyone he's created and everyone who believes. And then the second one is one that I think that we do really well maybe to understand theologically or in our head, but we're not really good at it practically. And that is the idea that we're the body of Christ. And I think that's something we need to hold on to very, very practically. Mm -hmm. um, the example I always give is, for example, if you're walking through your house and you stub your toe, um, at no point during that do you go, wow, 99.8% of my body is working great today. You know, your entire energy goes to that stub toe and that's where your focus becomes, you know, it's like you forget everything else is fine and you go to that stub toe and that's where your focus is. I have a friend who's a doctor who says, you know, the beautiful thing about swelling. I was like, no, I do not know the beautiful thing about swelling at all. You know, and he goes, no, 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 no. Swelling is the body's natural reaction to protecting the hurt area. And I think that's something we need to get back to because Ahmad is just, you know, it's a hashtag and it's sad and it's terrible. But what's even more terrible is that this is just the hashtag for these last couple of weeks. In fact, right. there's news that's yeah. come out about Brianna Taylor, Sean Reed. But I think that like if we as the body of Christ really reacted that way, that like we stubbed our toe, is this our natural reaction? It's to love one another. And no matter what your position is, is that looking like Jesus? Because late breaking news, you know, Jesus on the night of the Last Supper you know, he, he he ups not just the golden rule or some people call the platinum rule, but he changes it slightly in John 13, 34 and 35 when he says, well, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So that's not just treat others how you want to be treated. You are called, if you're going to follow Jesus, to love the way God loves you. So like, Amen. this isn't about political party. This isn't about anything except how Jesus loves, right? right? And then the second phrase is, so you must love one another. This isn't a suggestion, right? And then this is what I love. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And I think that's what we forget in these conversations. You know, Ahmad, from everything I'm reading in the papers and hearing from family, was a Christian, which means that he is my brother, which means that he is the brother of everyone around this table who believes. This is our brother who was killed. So that should impact us way more than I would say anything politically or anything that, that kind of distracts from that. Because... Jesus says, we need to love the way God loves. And so in our reactions, 
in how we talk to one another or how we even have this conversation, I would just ground it there. Are you loving the way God loves? And yes. just speak on this, you know? And for me, that's always a, a wake up call. And I think we all need to, to really embrace that. We love him the way God loves. And are we really the body of Christ that's naturally going to people who are hurting? And I think that is a way, if we are focusing on that first and foremost, because my next question, and you know, and if anyone has any thoughts, but I, I feel like we've sort of hit on it. Hank, you just, that whole perspective on what swelling is, gotcha. So the whole perspective on, 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 on that visual of swelling and surrounding that, uh, that hurt area as the body of Christ, I think is really powerful to me because we should be embracing where where our brothers are hurting in this one body together we've heard it so many times but do you know but you know and don't do really it. think yeah. of it be like oh yeah my finger was hurt i would fix my finger like okay. not, not. <laughs> <laughs> um so that I, I just love that image and and really the question is can the church and and i think we can be that that connection for healing and I think that's our role. Like we, like that's what Jesus was doing. That's what he was here to do. You know. Well, so. And I think Hank, Hank's church is such a beautiful sign. Mm. If, if I can say that, Hank. Oh. <laughs> um, I, I love hearing Hank speak because when he says he's the pastor of a church, that they're mostly, what did you say, Hank? Did you say that they're mostly Caucasian or mostly, um, I mean. Yeah, we're about, I mean, half African, yeah. well, half probably half white. And then like, yeah, the rest is from all over the world. You know, we have flags in our sanctuary representative. Um, and one of the things we always try to tell people about that too, is that, you know, most people know when you get to heaven, God's not going to be like, okay, Joseph, you and the Catholics are going to go over there. Um, Jenny, I like that you like Israel. So you get closer to me, Carolyn, you're in Florida. So just stay in the beach. Right. Like <laughs> most of us know when we get to heaven, like we're all going to be together. You know, most of us know that. But I think one thing we forget is in the Lord's prayer, right? Jesus says, on earth as it is in heaven. And if you look oh. at the early church, the early church was multicultural. It's only within the last, you know, 500, 1,000 years of Western influenced church that we started separating by race or nation. Like the church was multicultural from the beginning. And I think that's what we need to be working for. So it's not just like, oh, in heaven, every nation, every tribe, every tongue. But if Jesus was serious yeah. about on earth as it is in heaven, then the questions we have to be asking ourselves is that why don't our churches look like this? Because you're talking about how can the church be in the forefront? That's how. You got to rub shoulders, yeah. right? Because yes. all of us don't really care until we care. You know, I always give the example of like, I have a yeah. blue Toyota, my first car. I still see every blue Toyota on the road, right? And I think we all have similar car mm -hmm. stories. And I think it's the same thing when it comes to these things. When you're rubbing shoulders with people who are different than you, you care more, you know, like I've probably looked into COVID in Florida more in the last two weeks than I did before I met Carolyn, you know, like it's just, that's how we are. It doesn't mean I didn't care about Florida before. I just didn't really, really care about Florida before. <laughs> I think it's the same thing, right? Like we're meant to be connected. And I'm so happy to yeah. be connected with all of well, you. And so, yes, Jenny, go ahead. You know, I just wanted to say that we have to remember that the term Christian means Christ-like. And there's a lot of people bearing the title Christian 
that are not behaving Christ-like. I, I was looking up some things, you know, and it was so surprised to find that the, that the Ku Klux Klan actually refers to themselves as a Christian organization. How in the world can you actually bear that title and have hatred towards, you know, your brother? Um, and, and it frustrates me. It, it really does frustrate me when I see people in all areas, not just in this area, but when you call yourself Christian, we should be Christ-like. And if we're not going to be Christ-like, let's just call ourselves something else. Um, you know, and, and I, even though I feel that I live my life as, you know, Christ-like, we've actually changed and called ourselves believers rather than Christians. Christianity is, is, is a beautiful, wonderful faith to be, to be a part of. But the title Christian that people just slap on themselves, um, they think it's sort of a coverall. And listen, the bottom line is if you are not behaving Christ-like, you are not a Christian just because you go to church. We are supposed to be Christ-like. If you say you're a Christian, but you do not love your brother, it is a religion for you. It is something, it is a routine. It is something you, you do on Sundays. I love first John uh, chapter four, verse 20 says, if any man says he loves God, but hates his brother, this is pretty strong. It's not me. He is a liar. That's what first John says. If he, any man says he loves God, but hates his brother, he's a liar. He can't. He says, if you do not love your brother, you don't love God. And if you don't love God, how can you call yourself a Christian? It is so vital that we remember that we are called to, to love the fatherless. We are called to love the widow. We are called to love the, the, the neighbor. The neighbor, of course, as we know, when Jesus talked about the neighbor is the person that doesn't agree with us. If we can't do those things, we need to examine, re-examine our relationship. But, you know, let's just be honest. A lot of people who call themselves Christ followers it's just, it's just a name yeah. and, and, yep. and it is abuse and it does give a lot of, of Christians and believers and however you're comfortable, but it, it does give us a bad, and, it, and more than giving us a bad reputation, it represents our father wrong. That that's what right. I think breaks my heart worse yeah. is mm -hmm. that, you know, our God is a God of love. He also is a God of justice. And I think to represent mm -hmm. him without one or the other, we misrepresent who our father is. But I think it's important that we have these kind of discussions. And I love that hearing Hank and hearing about our church is the same way. We have a lot of different cultures and, and different generations. And to me, we're looking like heaven because yeah. this is how, and there is a, what I love about this show is that we're sounding the message not to sound like the world. We're sounding the message that there is a bunch of us out there who are working together who are grabbing arm in arm, who are defending for one another, who are standing. I mean, I mean, I don't even know Hank. I've just met him and I already know he's my brother. That smile right there is a million dollars. And, you know, you know, we're brothers and sisters and nothing. And I know, Hank, I think you, when you're already looking up Florida, that means you're ready to come spend some time, bring your family hey, to my anytime, house. Hey, you, I'll take it. Yes. Exactly. And it's over. But that's what I'm saying. There's a bunch of us yeah. who don't believe that way. And and I think it's so vital that instead of just sounding out the alarms, if we're not careful, the media will make us think and the world will make us think that, oh, we're all pitted against each other. And I right. think God is saying, man, let's sound the other alarm. Mm -hmm. There's a whole bunch of us who are coming together to fight the same fight. And that's for Jesus Christ to be glorified in these last days. And God knows that a stick is one stick is so easy to break, 
But when you get a bunch of sticks together, it's virtually impossible to break. And so I believe as a Christ follower and a believer, Jenny, I'm going to steal that from you because I like that. I want to be a believer. And um, I love that, man. I want to join arms with everybody. I I don't want any air between us because Mm -hmm. God's coming back. And there's hurting people out there right now who need Jesus, who need the hope of Christ, who need a healing. Their marriages are falling apart. Their mental minds. I mean, we were just talking about this, That, and I don't know the statistics, how it is compared to last year and this year, so forgive me. But for this year, 154,000 people have committed suicide or overdosed. Guys, there's hurting people out there. We need to be coming together, fighting this fight of Jesus Christ together and bringing hope. Well, I think we've all said it then. This is, we need to become the church of action again. We need to unite together. And hopefully this is just one small piece of how to do that together. Continue to journey with us, everyone. Thanks for watching. Thanks for liking. Thanks for being with us. We want to be authentic followers of Christ. And we want you to take the journey with us. We'll see you next time on The Full Life. Thank you guys so much again. I could feel that Holy Spirit going as we got going on that end. Woo! Thank you, God, for that. Bye, everyone. We'll see you. Bye, everyone.